0: hello and thanks for tuning in this is the radio ministry of grace community church in jefferson city missouri please open up your bibles and join us here's pastor dennis helton and then of course paul would go to places that were like capital cities or were capital cities well this is one of them of macedonia and we've been talking about Macedonian when we've been dealing with the second uh, letter to the Corinthians because he compared the, the giving of the Macedonians to the Corinthians, remember? And, uh, of course, this is one of the cities uh, along with uh, Philippi and along with the, the Bereans uh, that would have uh, been a part of the Macedonian uh, culture. And this is, this is Greece. This is, this is Europe. Uh, is where this is at and of course if you have maps I guess I should have drawn up some kind of a map and had that I I was thinking about doing that just having it there and you can take a look but you have study Bibles you have that or on the the back of your book or you'll look on the second missionary journey of Paul but anyway uh, he goes to the largest cities and then from there the people go on out to the smaller towns and that's the best way he, he could operate. Uh, this city of Thessalonica is called the mother of Macedonia. Uh, largest city. It's a, it's a very strategic city. Uh, Thessalonica was originally named Therma. And that's right. You've heard of thermo. thermo. When do you, what do you think of when you hear of thermo? Thermometer. Yeah, heat. Thermometer, right? And that's a Greek word. It comes right into our English. Uh, Therma was known uh, originally because of of its um, springs, its hot springs. We think of Hot Springs, Arkansas. Well, in this Therma, and the surrounding area, there were these hot springs. And then it was renamed Thessalonica in 315. Of course, if you can uh, remember, in Greece, uh, they had a man by the name of Alexander the Great, one of the great leaders of the world. Uh, as far as history is concerned, he had a half sister, and um, anyway, um, it came off of her name as it was renamed there, and she married a, a leader there. Um, it later became known as Salonika, and uh, Thessaloniki is what they call it today, as that one man was saying. And he said it a couple of times, you know. And, uh, anyway, it's uh, it's still there. It's just over the ruins underneath. And as they dig up things, all it does is prove again that the Bible was true with what it was saying. And I, I liked the word that they they put up there right at the end with a female that was uh, narrating uh, that. And it showed the picture of... of there was arches there. Uh, but uh, polyarch. Uh, there were that was the uh, the leadership of the city. Uh, it's talking about many leaders that they had. They were of their own government. Even though they were under the Roman Empire, they had the privilege of ruling their own city. They were their own. They weren't really, uh, even though they were under the Roman Empire, they made their own laws and governed. So that was quite unusual, and uh, they took to that uh, quite heartily. They they knew that was quite a privilege. Um, as far as its location and what made it uh, the great city it was, it was because of that location. the Ignatian road goes right through the city there uh, through that whole area it, That's a great military highway. it connected Rome, which is to the west, and it connected really Rome to the east, and there Thessalonica is right uh, on it and uh, it ran it was parallel to the Aegean Sea. Uh, had a, a major river that uh, that was there. You, you're talking about the uh, the Adriatic. The position up there is just uh, a great place uh, to be for um, travel and 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 uh, business. It's a natural outlet for for traffic. So people traveling the road, the Ignatian Way, the traveling uh, by sea, uh, commercial activity made it a very wealthy city, very wealthy. And You remember when we talked uh, in Corinthians um, it's very fascinating there is a very rich city that had many resources Roman Empire did take over that area in a lot of ways as far as the economy is concerned and by the time Paul is there uh, the people for the most part are very poor the Macedonians right uh, and, of course, if you extend on out to other smaller towns and such, it, uh, it definitely got that way. Even though it was a very wealthy city, um, the normal people didn't really have a lot of money. And they gave more than anybody else. They gave out of their, uh, the, uh, I guess you could say, out of their own riches, whatever they had, which was really wasn't very much. And they, they kept begging Paul to give more. Well, at this time, even though it was a commercially successful city, uh, the people were really not in a great position economically. They had been for a long time. So anyway, we we see the social position, uh, the privileges that were there. By the way, the women were treated uh, highly uh, in that area, which would be unusual in a lot of places during that time in the civilized world. They took on high, high social positions. Uh, Thessalonica also brought along a long reputation of licentiousness. Uh, and that's why when you look in, I think it's in chapter 4, um, the first eight verses, Paul really makes an appeal for holy living. And um, he tells them to, you know, to, um, to leave any, any kind of thing that would be uh, immoral. Flee immorality is the idea. In, uh, in that section. So he made it a special exhortation because he knew that they would be tempted if something came along in that way. That was their lifestyle before. So he knows that they are new creations and yet they still need to be exhorted. Uh, it was a free city, like I say, autonomy as far as self-government is concerned. And it's really interesting, as Luke uh, reports in Acts 16.6, just as I was talking about the... the uh, Polyarchs, Polytarchs, I guess is what it's pronounced. Acts 16.6, Luke says something that would have been historically accurate Okay, it's, it's 17.6. Sorry about that. When they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brethren before the city authorities or the polytarchs shouting, these men who have upset the world have come here also. <laughs> they upset the world. You have to like that. So city authorities, they're in plurality there. Poly um, dealing with many, Right. And the the Tarks or Arks, Palat Arks. And so he says that, and a lot of people would say there was no such thing as that in that city. And then as we saw on the video, as as the lady pointed out, that's fascinating because that's what I had been reading. I'm going, that's really interesting. What that does is it shows how accurate Luke was as a historian. And it proves that what he wrote, it it wasn't just something that he was just making up, but that was true and that was real whenever he wrote those things that went with the culture at the time and he used their terms. And then later on, here it is 2,000 years later, we dig up the remains of a city and certain terms come up or certain things come up, or places, people, that they say that's ridiculous, that that city didn't even exist. And then come to find out they dig up that ruins and there's a city that Paul had, uh, Luke had mentioned. So the Bible is true and all it does is it, as more time goes on, it just proves it over and over and over again. We don't need proof, but for anybody who would make those statements, well, there it is. So I thought just that word right there is incredible. I thought that's a, that was a great find. So there was a political privilege that they had, and they wanted to guard it because they had their own ruling and, and self-government there, and they were extremely sensitive about that. They didn't want to lose that. And so if somebody would come along and cause some kind of ruckus, then it could disturb the uh, the favor that they have from the imperial Roman authority, Right. And so if somebody like Paul comes along and some of the other apostles and some of the uh, gospel preachers, it can upset things, can't it? Things are going fine here. So uh, Paul was charged against that kind of backdrop there, uh, and treason would be really about the absolute worst thing that could be. And so if he's calling for a different lord, a different king, other than Caesar, uh, what kind of problem is that going to cause? So that's a most dangerous charge um, in Acts 17.7. I read six earlier, right? These men who have upset the world have come here also. And Jason has welcomed them, and they all act contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. In the Roman Empire, there is the one king, and that's what unites the Roman Empire. It's Caesar. And Jesus is another king, the decrees of Caesar would be disrupted. And so that's why, one of the reasons why that Paul had to leave, probably the biggest reason, isn't it? They'd been brought before the city authorities. And there, so he had to leave. He started the church. He's there for three Sabbaths. The church is going. He has to go. He has to get, where does he go next? Berea. Something like five-day travel. He preaches and teaches there. They're challenged by the Word of God. They check it out. He's got a church started there. Guess what? Here come the Judaizers again. Here come uh, the Jewish people that hate Paul, and and they get together with some of the civil authorities. And so the very same ones that had been in Thessalonica now are coming to Berea. What does Paul have to do in Berea? He has to split out of there too, doesn't he? And you know where he goes to next? Athens. So we're in Greece, aren't we? And of course, doesn't have a lot of success there. Doesn't spend much time there. He is allowed to preach the gospel there in uh, a very key place, and um, he moves on. And then he winds up in Corinth, still in Greece. And in Corinth, he stays for like a year and a half or so. And we know the rest is history. In Corinth is where he writes the letters to who? The Thessalonians. So that's where he's writing from as he um, is really concerned. If you'd, only, if you'd started a church and in three weeks you have to be gone and Timothy is gone and um, the other ones that are with him, they're out of there, that church is left with itself Holy Spirit but they need somebody do you think Paul's concerned the whole time oh you know it you think he would be welcomed if he went back there he knows it's probably not too wise to go back but he writes the letters Timothy goes back Timothy gets good news takes it back to Paul and uh, it was great to hear that they were doing great Isn't that amazing? And that's why when we read the first chapter, the first few verses tonight, we can see why Paul writes what he writes. It's amazing how the Spirit of God can take people that didn't have Paul to teach them the rest of the way. But can you imagine those three weeks? He must have really given them everything, (laughs) the whole council in a quick order. So anyway, uh, some of those things I think really help. Um, The town is filled with soldiers. Town is filled with businessmen, it's filled with travelers, it's a bustling city. Uh, Traders, sailors, booming place, a lot of things happening here. Sexual perversion, prostitution was rampant, it was well organized. Um, Matter of fact, it was a crime city. Uh, People, whenever they built their homes, did not put windows in it. Why? Because there was no glass, <laughs> um, they didn't want any windows because that was too dangerous. All they would have would, would be a door, um, because of the crime was so rampant and out of control. Uh, it was a lascivious city, just because they had. Uh, wealth there. They had everything that they, they needed and you get a lot of people together and then you're going to have more crime together, people with their nature. Uh, people would have obscene paintings all over the walls in the city uh, of their houses. They would have it right there. They would draw these paintings of that was very lascivious. Divorce was very frequent. Babies were continually abandoned. This doesn't sound too different than our own country, our own cities, does it? Babies were continually abandoned. That was their form of abortion. You just had your baby and just left it for nobody to take care of. Just let it die. Murder was common. Sounds not too anything different, does it? It's a sewage pipe. And that's where the church lived in. And it was to abstain from sexual immorality, as Paul makes it a point. Because I'm sure that was one of his big concerns, that that's what they grew up with. That's what they were around. That was part of their life, this immorality. Um, Today, the city exists, very um, commercial. It's very industrial. It's very modern Greece. We saw some of the, the pictures in the video uh, it was sec- it, right, today. It's second uh, in population to Athens, so that's one of the f- cities that you know actually exists. Sometimes you go through cities and they don't; they're not there anymore. Of course, you can think of Rome, of course, and some other places. Uh, it was an Allied base during World War One, and in World War Two, the Germans came in and wreaked havoc there. There was a Jewish population of about sixty thousand. Guess what the Germans did with them? They deported them and exterminated them, all 60,000 of those. Anyway, the history of uh, Thessalonica is found in Acts 17. Um, I talked a little bit about how all this started as we were going through this. Uh, Paul had been on a missionary journey. He had been moving west And he came to the Aegean Sea, and he wanted to go south, if you remember. And he couldn't go south. The Holy Spirit said no. And then he tried to go north. Holy Spirit said no. We just came from the east. What's that leave you? The west, which is Europe. Why Europe? Well, I'm glad it went Europe ways, because you think west and on from Europe, uh, west is, is America. Uh, of course, we have a lot of our English traditions, and the English Reformation came as a result of that too. So, but God chose it to be that way. Uh, you remember He had the vision in the night, and um, He saw a man from where? Macedonia. Macedonia. Exactly. By the way, in this this study that we're going to do, anytime you guys want to chip in and chime in, feel free. Just go for it. Okay. Um, so the gospel went to Europe. Europe got evangelized. And proceed on further. Uh, he came first to Philippi. You remember uh, what happened in Philippi? There was a, a, a jailer. And uh, of course, the jailer became a believer, and his family did. He had to leave Philippi. Uh, and so you know, he comes to Thessalonica, hundreds, 100 miles away. Uh, Five-day trip. I think that's what it was. Anyway, uh, his arms had been in, in stocks, and and um, he had been uh, beaten. Imagine taking a, a trip that way as uh, he went to Thessalonica. So he goes to the synagogue. It was a flourishing synagogue. It was a big, big synagogue there uh, in Philippi. They didn't have a place to meet. There weren't enough men there to even start a synagogue. So from Thessalonica then, it went to Athens, went to Corinth. You have a brand new baby church. They're a few weeks old, and they could just drown in the vice that's there. Uh, how are they going to be matured? Paul, Silas, Timothy, all were, had been together. Uh, Silas and Timothy are in Berea. Um, Paul's in Athens, goes on to Corinth, stays there for the year and a half. Uh, who's taking care of the Thessalonians a tiny little church a sea of paganism how are they going to be able to survive and Paul's got to be saying I'd like to go back to Thessalonica Um, but that wasn't going to work that wouldn't be a good thing it's got to be burning them up I've got got to get back there what can I do Um, anyway Timothy goes Timothy comes back and he says they're just doing super (laughs) (laughs) they're doing great Paul can you imagine how he felt the occasion for this uh, epistle? I've got it under C there in your outlines if you're looking at it. Paul learned about the situation, learned about the needs of the believers there at Thessalonica. Uh, he saw that they were maturing. They had stamina there as converts. Uh, and there was persecution. Because if Paul got persecuted, you know they did. You know, they lived there. Where are they going to go? Uh, so he you know, he learned this news, and he learned the news that the Jews were slandering him and making him look like a false teacher. Uh, what's the purpose and the theme of the epistle? Well, first, he wanted to encourage the Christians in Thessalonica. You get encouragement all over the place. He encourages them because of their good progress. Secondly, he desires to correct the misinformation uh, about himself. It sounds like in 2 Corinthians 2, doesn't it? Third, he wrote to give instructional um, aspects, uh, more additional instructions for their spiritual growth. And you'll see that in chapter 4 and through chapter 5. He wants to confirm the young converts, uh, elementary truth that they have. Uh, I think McGee said he he had three points, to confirm young converts and the elementary truth of the gospel. Number two, to condition them to go on to holy living. And number three, to comfort them regarding return of christ and you remember there's an eschatological passage in chapter four that he deals with that because they were concerned about that uh what about the return of christ Uh, has it already happened you know there, there were stories going around so he has comfort he has encouragement uh they were they were suffering because of the christ they have a hope though they have a faith they have a hope they have a love this letter is very pastoral and uh, you have the hope of the Lord's return. Uh, The date of this is around 51-52. It was written from Corinth during his 18-month stay. He wrote it very early on, in the early part of that period. Um, So any date would be very close. That's pretty good. We can get down to A.D. 51, A.D. 52. It was one of his first epistles as he writes from uh, Corinth. Um, What's so important about studying this? Well, first and foremost, it's the Word of God. And every book of the Bible is first and foremost important, isn't it? Uh, But it's about knowing and applying God's truth. And, uh, of course, uh, they give us insight into the very heart the motivations of Paul Number three um, shows us how Paul works with young converts. Um, Number four, they picture a a local New Testament church and what the form of it is. And it makes us be in awe of how God works with his people. And uh, each one of them present special insights. Well, let's get to the text. Hey, I've got 20 minutes. And I'm not in any hurry. (laughs) Yes. Yes. The fourth one, uh, each each of those people, and and in, in matter of fact, in First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians, give us a lot of special insight into that. And of course, this, as we say, this is to the church of the Thessalonians. That's different than any other way that he writes it, of the Thessalonians. It's almost like this is a. A local body, but it's also made of individuals. So he breaks it all the way down. This is—it's the people of the, Thess- the the Thessalonians, the people of Thessalonica. That's their church. And so, anyway, um, the the insight that that we get from what Paul portrays and what uh, how a church works and who they are. Uh, we'll start with salutation. Verse 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians. In God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. It's awful easy to just read that and move on. We'll spend a few minutes on it. Paul starts off with, Paul means little, small. Interesting. Uh, his Hebrew name, uh, Saul, uh, means asked for. Paul always used his name Paul. Whenever, uh, like in this case right here, just uses Paul. And it could be because, uh, little because uh, he's known to be one who was small of stature. I hate to do this. Is, is there some more coffee out yeah. there? Yeah. He likes that cream. I, I, I told Audrey, I'd, I'd probably finish this off. Yeah, actually, yeah, I like that to um, that just do the coffee thing. He likes the Hills yeah. vanilla. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks, Nondora. Sorry about that. But I, I told Audrey I'm going to get some later. I I actually like that whenever it gets cold. You know, after, it, it, really, it's that Hills Brothers stuff. You're on time, and uh, so, anyway... But I drunk it all up while it was still warm. And so now I have to drink something hot again. Keeps my voice going. Uh, Paul also was a very humble one, wasn't he? I think he saw himself as the least of the apostles. The worst of sinners, right? So he was very humble. I haven't Uh, been born yet. Who knows? He might have been smaller than you, Barb. You never know. No, I'm talking about the worst of sinners. Oh, well, uh, neither was I. So we might have a challenge there. Let's see. We all probably could say that, I guess, couldn't we? And then you have Paul's associates there. It says Sylvanus in my version. That's Silas. Um, Silas was probably the Aramaic name there of of Sylvanus. That's his Roman or, or Gentile name. He was a Jew. What's that? Silvanus, Silvanus Latin. That's what my which would says. be what your your Roman name or Latin name? Yeah, which where they spoke? Yeah, um, he was a, a chief man among the brethren in Jerusalem, as he was Jewish. You see that in Acts 15:22, and he was Jew in Acts 16:20. He, uh, he's considered a, a prophet. He's also a, a companion of Paul um, on his second missionary journey. Uh he became, he was a, command, a companion of Peter as well, first Peter five twelve. Uh Timothy is one who's a younger man, and of course he's called uh, the son of um the uh, as far as Paul is concerned, the son of Paul as far as um Paul giving him the the gospel, became a convert under him. Uh Paul supposedly led him to to Christ, first Timothy one two. So, but he was definitely a mentor of him. Thank you there. You finally get to drink yours now, right? <laughs> Thank you. You guys are doing all sorts of stuff for me tonight. Thank you much. Oh, you big time. Oh, hey, that that's that's good, man. You did a good job. Excellent. Perfect. You are now nominated. <laughs> that's good. Barista. <laughs> He's a barista. <laughs> um Paul just acknowledges his fellow laborers here, his fellow soldiers. He just built confidence around all the time. He wanted them to be, um, to be known by the people and wherever he went, and he would give them things to do and spread it out. So that's a great thing to follow there. He wanted to get people involved constantly. Uh, that's Paul. Um, the recipients there to the church of the Thessalonians local description it's very personal it's directed toward the individuals of the congregation the way that it's worded there in in this language it means the church consisting of Thessalonians uh, stresses and that stresses the individual concern the way that they would have written that then Um, to the church Uh, stop there for a moment guess what that word in the Greek is what is it Ecclesia. Ek out of. Ecclesia called. Called out of. Uh, a company called out. An assembly called out. We were called out from the pagan society, from the world that we lived in into the body of Christ. We were that's the church. And when you get down into verse 4, knowing, brethren, beloved by God, His choice of you, His election of you. That's related to our ecclesia. Anyway, um, the spiritual description we see of them here, to the church of the Thessalonians in You notice the word in, a two-letter word there in English, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We would tend to miss that, wouldn't we, if we were just kind of reading right on through? But in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, boy, it's encouraging right off the bat. He points the the Thessalonian people to their spiritual aspect, the very um, um, sphere that they live in. This is their existence. They have a new sphere of communion, of uh, participation, the spiritual life that they have with, with God the Father, the security that they have. Uh, you can call him Father, God the Father, Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, anyway, we see there God, you think of sovereignty and his divinity and, and the Lord Jesus Christ, that focuses our attention there, Jesus being Savior, right, Uh Yeshua, salvation, or Yahshua, Yahashua, Joshua, uh, Yeshua, all related there, and uh, God saves. And for all to those who believe in him, and then he's called Lord, that's Kurios, Lord Jesus Christ. And he's writing this to the Thessalonians, emphasizing that he is Lord, and in the Roman world, there is one Lord, he's Caesar and as long, you can be a Christian, but just, you know, you proclaim Caesar as Lord. If, if you, if you, can, you, can be a, you can be a Christian, just proclaim Caesar as Lord and we'll get you through this. It's okay. That's why a lot of Christians died early. Because they could not. And a true Christian would not profess the, the Caesar to be the Lord. It's Jesus Christ. And so that's the kind of persecution they, they face Constantly curios is that word for Lord, anyway, we get the greeting there um it's found in uh here right here, right off the bat as as he uh, greets it and he says grace to you and peace says that a lot doesn't say it never letter, I bet he doesn't say it to the Galatians <laughs> he doesn't start out the same way he, he doesn't come off saying. The Apostle Paul here, does he? Or the slave. Paul the servant. Paul the Apostle. Here it's just Paul. <laughs> Comes in a very humble way here. He doesn't have to stand up for his authority here, trying to be, you know, the, the knowing that they need to know that he's an Apostle. He's, he's Paul. Paul. Um, we give thanks to God always for you, but grace to you and peace. Let's go back to that. Um, two great words, and they're linked together a lot. But always is grace first, and peace second. Now, why would that be? Why does Paul? Why doesn't Paul say sometimes? I'll just mix it up here and say peace and grace. I bet you have a. I bet you have an idea. Without grace, you can't have peace. There you go. You just said it. <laughs> No better way to say it, right? There it is. Um, By the way, just on a a neat note here, this is the way that people would greet each other. In Thessalonica, they would say, um, grace to you. The Hebrew people would say, shalom to you. He puts the Greek and the Hebrew... Together, of course, it's in Greek words here, but uh, which is Kara, grace, and Irene for peace, um, and it, it, you have a normal Greek greeting, grace. Uh, it's like rejoice, hail, greetings, hail, right? Hail King Caesar, you know, right? You, you've heard of that before, um, but the idea there is that kind of grace. Of course, it's it's definitely a different way of grace than what we look at, but uh, when you take it from this normal greeting that the Jew and the Gentile will have and and then Paul puts them together, I think that's rather fascinating. And to us, we know that when we've been graced by God and we've been saved, that's the only way we can have peace with God once we've been saved. And of course, Paul puts it in that order and to order, always. So it's only in Christ that both grace and peace are brought together in biblical order of blessings. Um, the purpose of the greeting is to you. Grace to you. To you. Um, prayerful, prayerful concern that he has, a desire for his readers that um, they all have a desperate need of God's grace and his peace. Turn to Isaiah 57. Verse 20 and 21. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet. Its waters toss up refuse and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. They don't have peace. They're looking for peace, but they can't have it. It's only through Christ that they can have it. Um, Christians know where that grace and peace is at. We might be going through turbulent times, but we always know about this grace and peace. What a prayerful intercession that he has here, and they really need to hear that. It's good to hear. Peace is always a product of knowing the grace of God, and putting it into our lives. And that's where uh, that comes. But those who ignore the grace of God that's offered to them, they forfeit the peace of God also. And, of course, Isaiah just said that. Peace is the product of grace is another way of saying it. Go to 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. (laughs) I like that. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us, graced us, everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us, graced us, his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Oh my, is that encouraging? That is the mark of a Christian right there. Boy, Peter really says it. And he says it. Even more powerful than Paul in some ways, if that's possible, in which it probably really isn't because they have the same Holy Spirit. But he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Christ our Lord. So, anyway, peace is the product of of grace. And, of course, Peter says in 2 Peter 3.18, you're all familiar with that, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What do we grow in? The knowledge of Christ. We grasp, we experience grace. And the more that we live and experience grace in our walk, the more capacity that we're going to experience what? Peace. (laughs) The more that we know of God's grace, the more peace that is going to show forth as the fruit will bear. The aspects of God's peace. Wonderful, isn't it? divine blessings understanding the very nature of god's grace and his peace i think it's tremendously important isn't it and so that's why paul writes so much this way something that seems so standard and you can say okay he's just trying to get you know uh, something started here and he says some really cool things that and let's move on right but you look at it and you go whoa this is really good um just going to start on this, and, and um, I'm not even going to try to get through my little outline because we will, uh, it, it really goes into the next week anyway. But we give thanks to God always for all of you. It's like he's talking to each one of those Thessalonians, and we're giving thanks to you, making mention of you in our prayers. Can you imagine having Paul praying for you? <laughs> Well, I can imagine you praying (laughs) for me, and then it's multiplied as people, other people pray for me, other people pray for you, and as you pray for them. Can you imagine the multiplication that's going on here all through the week? And we don't even mention it. We don't think about it, but we do. We pray for each other, don't we? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good thing. I'm depending on it. (laughs) I'm needing that. I need it desperately. I know it. what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's there's a there's a sense of knowing that you know there's the, the encouragement, um, and especially in times when you're going through some real tests, <laughs> and and you just go right on through that. And you say, "Well, how did I get through there? Yeah, yeah. I prayed, but yeah. it's like it's it just kind of got you multiplied, like you didn't it? Through. Yeah, you carried through it, through. like in the arms of Jesus." And and the people right there behind it, kind of kind of putting a, a hand underneath. But Jesus has got us, you know. Leaning yeah. On the put, <laughs> there you go. We could sing a song about that, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how I felt after my hip surgery. It was somebody who said, you know, it was like hitting the easy button, wasn't it? I said, oh no, <laughs> it was no easy button. <laughs> it, was. it was the God button. Yeah, <laughs> is n't it great This is the kind of stuff that Paul was bringing to them at, at, and in this this whole book that's that's really where it's pointing to and, and this is why they could be such an example you know but boy, what did it do with him though I mean there are people here we don't even know who they are but Paul was elated by this you know he was excited uh, so anyway, the means of giving thanks is is prayer um there was no disappointment over these Thessalonians. The Galatians, boy, did he have some disappointment. Uh, even the Corinthians, did he have some disappointment. But look at the Thessalonians. I don't see any disappointment here. matter of fact, they become an example. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind remembering in verse 3 here, remembrance of the life-changing character there that had occurred in these believers. He uses a word here in the Greek, and it's really kind of hard to pronounce, but it's something, I think, how we get remember. It's uh, menem (laughs) manutens. Mem is in there. And then it's without ceasing. He remembers without ceasing. I forget without ceasing sometimes. (laughs) That's possible. But for Paul, like you said, he only had three weeks there, and he knew all the trials and everything they were going to face, and without being taught the Word of God, how were they going to make it? So for him to sit there and see that they are making it, and it's not on Paul that provides that truth to them, but that the Holy Spirit was there with them. And I think that's why he sees so much grace in this. Mm -hmm. It's because he didn't participate in it. The way he had with different other churches, and so he just got to enjoy the grace from what God was giving them. Right. So he took much in that. He knew he knew how God operated, but still, yet he still has the personal aspect of wondering, you know, wonder how it's going with him. Mm-hmm. Well, we would too, wouldn't we? If we started a church, or or you, you somebody you got to lead to the Lord, and then you don't see him anymore, yeah. and yeah. you mm-hmm. really, you, you yeah. Word. You get burdened for them, exactly. Because you know some of the battles are, they're going to face. The bad teaching that can come around. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Um, it's 8 o'clock. And uh, the work of faith, the labor of love, and the steadfastness of hope. What three key words do you have there? Faith, hope and love. And you see that in other places and that's where we'll pick up next week and we're going to be talking that as it leads right on into uh, election, his choice of us and some of the other things of how why Paul was so elated about the Thessalonians. Hey, uh, Bob, could you close us in prayer? Yeah, and my prayer is going to be this verse 2 and 3. Thank you. We give thanks to God always for all of you Constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Very good. Hey, we thank you once again for joining us. We pray that this message would serve to edify you. And we say goodbye until next time. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Till next time.